should write a book, Fry. People need to know about the can eat more. I'm getting this book on UFOs. Did you know they're real? But there's a huge comic conspiracy to cover it up. Oh, that's just a paranoid fantasy. I want to be a book. You can pick me up, flip through my pages, make sure nobody drew wieners in me. Hello and welcome to the Not Your Grandmother's Book Club Podcast, where we read them so you don't have to. Because we think if we keep going, we have a shot of becoming the CEO of Project Veritas. My name is Kevin, and I'm joined as always by my co-host Benedict, who I have been surreptitiously recording for years on this show. Benedict! Wait, this show is recorded? (laughs) I thought we were just chatting. What's your go-to breakfast right now? Uh, well... That's a good question. I'm not a huge breakfast guy, honestly. Yep. Uh, this morning I had lemon blueberry pancakes, if that gives you any insight into but, my But character. is that a go-to? Is that a, No, like, no, no. That's just what I ate. You're hungry morning. in the morning. You need something. What do you grab? Yeah, I would normally just have, like, granola, honestly. That's what we have that's a breakfast Dry. Item. Dry granola, I'm sure. Granola, no, no, granola with milk. <laughs> to, to the point that my wife accuses me of making granola soup. Like, I have a, a, fran- a frankly unhealthy amount You know what, though? Goes into my... Like, I'm pretty sure that's how cereal got started. And, yeah. And it's, it's good. It tastes good. I get it. I like granola yeah. and milk. It's, it's decent. Yeah. It's not a bad breakfast. Exactly. Yeah, I have a lot of milk in it, though. I'm, I'm... <laughs> I've seen your tea. I get it. Yeah. No, well, no, my tea is actually not that milky. My cereal is quite milky, though. What, uh, and then... Uh, honestly, like on the weekends, our go-to breakfast is mac and cheese. Like, what? Gen- genuinely. For breakfast. Yeah, I, for breakfast with hot sauce, it is good. What is wrong with you? What's wrong with that? <laughs> Who hurt you as a child? What's wrong with that? Salt, fat, acid, heat, baby. Let's fucking go. <laughs> Carbs for breakfast? Don't, I don't know. It's, it's good. Uh, we're both going to die before 50. Oh, for sure. It's fine. <laughs> well, it's actually fine because I just take statins and then my cholesterol goes down like it's magic. Oh, <laughs> I'm sure I desperately I, need. I, I had my yearly checkup uh, last year. I go on my birthday. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so I had my checkup as, last as year. As one does. And the doctor gave me that look. Like he said, oh, you know, everything looks good. Your cholesterol's a little high. Your blood pressure's a little high. And he gave me that looking down the nose. You know what you need to do, right? <laughs> I was like, Yeah. <laughs> Work out Take more, statins. eat better, blah, blah, blah. You know. Now I'm not at the point where I need to be on uh, any medication yet. Uh, so I'm still a younger man than you, at least well, biologically. <laughs> physiologically. Yeah. yeah. Everything else is fine. I'm fine otherwise. Uh, um, so you say. Anyway, what's your breakfast of choice? Uh, I've been going for yogurt. Uh, recently. Oh wow! Look I'm at you, a, Mr. Fucking Healthy. I'm on a yogurt kick. Uh, well, uh, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't say it was exactly healthy because I go for like <laughs> it ch- is filled with the, honey. <laughs> <laughs> the Chibani flips, oh, see, uh, which have like a bunch of sugary stuff you dump into your yogurt. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, probably yeah. not as healthy as like a plain Greek yogurt. <laughs> for sure, not as healthy mm-hmm. as not adding a bunch of sugar into it. But quite delish. Mm. Uh, but anyways, Benedict, uh, you probably know what it is that we do here on this program. Uh, some folks, though. They might not. Uh, to them, I would say, this is the show where we go deep, 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 to plumb the depths of right-wing thought by reviewing a chapter from work of conservative nonfiction and in between, taking a look at other examples of the right, doing their best to make America hate again. Start us off, Benedict. Do you have a hot take for us this week? Oh, I have two. First of all, I would just like to celebrate the fact that we outlasted James O'Keefe, <laughs> which <laughs> did is we? very funny. 
I I don't honestly remember uh, how old is is he around our age? Oh or is he no, a he's older than it, us? well. I he, no, he's been doing this since like 2010. I like, know, but I don't know how old because I know he started like in college. Well, he's not dead. I didn't mean outlast in that I, way. I know, <laughs> I know. I am aware he is still alive. I just I'm wondering is he older than us? I'm gonna look him up right I, now. Keep I think talking. he's older. I think he's older than us. So I just I just didn't think I just thought he would be the kind of bad actor that would be around forever. He's, he's 38, so he's okay. He's about so he's older than us. us yeah. yeah yeah um i just assumed he would be the kind of guy that would be doing his shtick forever mm-hmm. um and he's not which oh is fun oh i good. guarantee you i guarantee oh, he's still gonna you he's gonna keep shtick. going yeah, no, his no, next no, no, no. one benedict will be project truth that's what he's gonna do <laughs> or it'll be whatever the latin for project is and then <laughs> truth project, like project. Yep. truth or whatever <laughs> projectas projectas is what it's gonna be <laughs> it's a working title it's gonna yes. be like the latin for working title or something <laughs> No, it's gonna just so gonna, be gonna be Lorem Ipsum. It's gonna be Lorem Ipsum. No, it would be whatever the third and fourth words of that spiel is. <laughs> just to, to not quite be so obvious. Um, or or it'll be something stupid like ipso facto or something. Like it's absolutely gonna yeah, be something. Yeah, but he's, stupid he's absolutely gonna keep going. Neither of us think yeah, he's yeah. gonna stop. Because facto sounds kind of like fact too. Mm-hmm. I I I would. Bet a hundred dollars. The next one is going to be in Pig Latin. It's going to be Pig Latin. (laughs) Project Pay Eritas Day. (laughs) Okay, that also uh and and more a more calm and fun actual like in the spirit of what these hot takes were actually supposed to be which was extremely <laughs> lukewarm what takes. they were supposed to be it, it was supposed to be things that weren't actually hot takes yeah. but it was just like a funny thing a squirt of lime in some water it's delicious and everyone should do it you know i can agree i can agree i do go. like my lime water there you go what about you though what hot takes do you uh, have for, for me us? benedict straight from the oven this week <laughs> uh i am breaking the these are not supposed to be serious rule uh with okay. the fact that i had the best day of my life to this point this last week uh that is not hyperbole um mm-hmm. i was in the courtroom sitting there as one of our clients was released from prison after 20 some years wrongfully convicted uh could not stop crying the entire day of joy. Yeah, uh, that's just right. <laughs> the greatest feeling I've ever held in my held in my life. Um, and, and you know, it was incredible. It was incredible. Uh, that that's all I can really say about it. I am going to, by the way. Uh, normally, our pinned tweet on Twitter when I remember to pin something uh, is whatever our most recent episode was. Uh, I think for the next couple of weeks, I am going to post up there as our pinned tweet. Uh, the GoFundMe uh, for this client who was released from prison uh, because the state of Missouri does not give a dime to people who have been exonerated That's and wrongfully insane. incarcerated. Yeah, they do not. They don't care. Uh, th- there's a whole, there's a lot of behind the scenes political wrangling about that and stuff and the fact that, you know, basically we have to focus on things that'll make it easier to get our clients out of prison um and rather than the compensation part of it and there's only so many things you can take up with a hostile republican state legislature anyways Mm. i will be posting that to our twitter uh and of course anyone who donates will be inducted into the spooky world new world order um yeah housekeeping benedict why don't we move on sure i'm tearing up a little bit um okay good last i checked uh it was about five hundred thousand dollars uh that had been raised for his gofundme so that's uh, great if, if one of our millionaire listeners would like to bump mm. it up to an even cool million bucks, uh, 
Uh, come on, Soros. We know you listen. Uh, yeah. Housekeeping. Remember to rate. Should we just re- send it to Soros just to see what he does? <laughs> like, um, uh, remember to rate and review us on the wasn't, iTunes. Is, wasn't there a whole thing of where people would just send bills to like massive tech companies oh, no, and just like was, okay. people would pay them? I remember. I'm not saying we should do that. I'm just saying if someone <laughs> were to do that, it would be fraud. But is it for a good cause? Yeah. Maybe. No. What I remember is when Matt Gates, uh, all that news came out about him you know having coke parties with underage women um that people were venmoing him and stuff and the same thing who was it with the vhs tapes that people were venmoing for like one dollar or something i don't remember what it all was uh but that all that fun stuff uh that all came out anyways uh rate and review us on the itunes follow us on the social medias at nygbc pod on twitter and at nygbc ben i have one update this week uh, one of our listeners reached out and asked the question. I like to answer, oftentimes, if I don't respond to your tweet, I apologize. A, it's because I'm bad at managing uh, my backlog of He stuff. doesn't respond to my text like a third of the time, so... Because <laughs> I know I'm going to talk to you sooner or later. Yeah, that, well, that's um, what you're about to say now. Presumably. Yeah, so I like to sometimes address on the them on the show, but one of our listeners did reach out uh, and ask uh, whether Gotham was based off of Chicago. Um, and I will say that as far as, cause we had a discussion about this on an episode we did. two ago. Um, and I, as I always do, asserted things that sounded very confident while knowing nothing <laughs> about the subject. <laughs> so Gotham itself we, is a fictional city, right? We know that. Yeah. Everybody uh, knows that. Canonically in the DC universe, it is in New Jersey. That is where it is. Um, okay. So you know, take that for what it's worth. I think but, the the tweet was asking whether it was modeled after Chicago, though. Right, right. And, and I will and... say that I did a little bit of reading on this just because I wanted to get a good answer. And in the the 80s and 90s, the Tim Burton movies, a lot of the architectural themes and stuff did come from some Chicago landmarks and things, um, as well as New York. So both New York and Chicago had influence. But... Some of the writers uh, of Batman over the years, some of the more influential ones and artists, uh, people like Frank Miller and John Byrne, uh, have said that Gotham and Metropolis are both New York. Uh, Metropolis is New York by day, and Gotham is New York by night, if that makes sense to you. I think it makes perfect sense to me. New York changes. I think it's beautifully metaphorical. I think it makes a lot of sense. Okay. And I'm a comic book nerd, so of course, if Frank Miller and John Byrne say something, I'm going to be like, oh, then those are the gods me. of my, my the thing I love. So, of course, I'm going to follow with what they say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, Benedict, we have some new inductees into the spooky world, new, new world order, before we get started this week. Uh, starting off with our newest patron. I love it when Jordan yells out, thank you very much. Thank you very much. You are now part of our new world spooky world order. Thank you very much. I don't listen to it, so I don't know what it sounds like. <laughs> but you do but... know it's Knowledge Fight. You do know it's yeah, Knowledge yeah, Fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew it was Knowledge Fight. Yep. Uh, we have some additional inductees this week, beginning with Becky Scott Fairley, longtime patron and friend of the show. You are now part of our New World Spooky World Order. And we also have an inductee, Sharon Hogan, who reached out to me and told me, uh, based off of one of my snarky comments, that Sex Week is in fact a thing. Uh, particularly pointing out to me that it, uh, at Oberlin College, uh, they have sex week. Uh, it's, it's really just sexual health awareness week is what it is. Yeah. That's I, not what Charlie Kirk meant yeah, when he said sex I, I don't week, think though. that's what Charlie was talking about. <laughs> I, 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 I get that it's a thing and Charlie probably was trying to play off of the fact that sexual health awareness weeks exist at universities around the country. Uh, and, and you know, he didn't 
mention any of the reality of it. He wanted the old people he was talking to to think that it's sex week. Everybody's having sex on sex week. Mm-hmm. 90% sure that's what he meant. But of course, did I did I play it for Sharon? I think... I, anyway, Sharon, you're now part of our... New World Spooky World Order. I don't remember if I played it already because I've been talking. That's fine. So anyways, if you would like to join the Spooky World New World Order, bleh, tweet or post about the show on social media, recommending to others, send me a screenshot or tag us in it. Leave us a five-star review wherever you can. Drop me a screenshot let me know. Make a donation to a worthwhile charity or become a patron. Or, or get my... I always do that because the last one cuts off onto the next page in my notes. Get my attention with something good, of course, is the last one that everyone knows. Benedict, why don't we get into it this week? Now, of course, we all know what we're here for. We are continuing where we left off in the Lunatic Fringe series last time, talking about how mm-hmm. Republicans and the right in general came to turn against the idea of a college education. And sure. I, before we get started, I do want to take a minute here at the beginning to talk about sort of where we are in the Lunatic Fringe series, because we've been doing this for about a year now. The Lunatic have Fringe. Have we really? We have, yeah. It's a big uh, fringe. It's a big fringe. It's a very big fringe. Um, and, and so I was going to make a hair joke, like a fringe the size of David Lee Roth. Okay. That's, it's bangs. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's... <laughs> You got something there, you need to workshop it a little bit. Uh, I've said plenty of times that the first arc of the Lunatic Fringe series is the lead-up to Charlottesville, uh, culminating, obviously, with those two days. And that's a huge range of time to deal with. Meaning, you know, we've gone as far back in this series to the immediate aftermath of the Civil War to talk about the Klan all the way up to the present and past Charlottesville even because we can't stay purely chronological in talking about all these issues. But the war on higher education obviously fits in because of the events immediately preceding Charlottesville in those few years before, and it's a packed impact on the right wing, uh, and the thought, or lack thereof, has been very intense. And obviously I should mention, you know, Charlottesville, uh, Unite the Right, part of that took place on the campus of the University of Virginia, uh, particularly the night before the Nazi torch march that was at at the University of Virginia. So mm-hmm. uh, a lot of this ties in. But, you know, I haven't bothered to really structure the lunatic fringe in any sort of specific way. Sometimes it's just me being like, I ran across something and I want to do an episode about it, and it ties into this overall theme of how the far right yeah, became the, the, the center the, of the party. The fringe series is very vibey. It's very vibey. It's whatever Kevin <laughs> feels like talking about every week. <laughs> but I did want to say that 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 lead up does remain there, and I think in the coming months I am going to try and tighten it up and get us a little bit closer to uh, leading into. Uh, that what will be a series of episodes about the Unite the Right rally uh, and everything that happened there. But uh, I have mentioned, obviously, that initially I chose not to go to college and become a mechanic because of the right-wing culture yeah, I was yeah, inculcated yeah, with Yeah, yeah, we time. know. <laughs> you I'm know, sorry. Snarky Benedict is one of my favorites. <laughs> I will put him back in his box for now. So, you know, Let's I... <laughs> I graduated high school in 2010, and and that's when I made that decision. But I wasn't the first to be affected by it, and definitely not the last. Uh, we've talked. Can, I, I know, I know, we've talked about this before, but can you just run me down again? How did your parents feel about that? My parents. I know this isn't therapy, but <laughs> it is for me. Uh, I know, I know. You, know, my parents are Republicans, but no, I know that's why I'm asking. And they're wealthy Republicans, uh-huh. um, and they were very upset. That I didn't want to go to college. Okay. Um, but so I, I don't think they under- to that level. Yeah. yeah I, I don't. Well, with my parents, anyways. And I think right. class 
plays a definite role in all of this. Definitely. It most Do you certainly think they does. would still be upset today if you told them that today? Like, if you were... Has their I, position on it changed? I know this is anecdotal, you know, but I'm just curious. No, it's a good question. It's a good question. And I think my parents have certainly been radicalized over the last 10 years, 10, 13 years now. Um, I've seen it. I, I've, I've heard it. That's definitely happened. I don't know exactly where they stand on college at the moment, but I would not be surprised if they had shifted on their ideas of co- Certainly my mom, because uh, mm. my dad did go to college and, and has a master's degree. Uh, mm. My mom did not go to college. So I gotcha. think my mom would be more likely to just be against college than my dad. Um, but at the very least, I think both of them would be like, oh, fuck all that liberal arts shit. Uh, just go, just go for it. Gotta do a vocation. Go be a fucking uh, engineer or science or blah, blah, blah stuff that doesn't require that, you know, synthesis of complex ideas. Which to be fair, I think is what, is a lot of what Charlie Kirk's argument is as well, right? Yeah. I think that's the, the moderate line of this anti-college sentiment is only go to college for things that won't challenge the ideas you already have when you get there. Uh, Under the guise of go to college to learn a vocation. Right, right. Be, be To be a doctor or a, a engineer or something like that. Sure. I think that's certainly where it is. And, and you know, I've talked before about how, uh, you know, I think certainly I have friends who are engineers or doctors mm-hmm. or things, and they're certainly intelligent, but th- much of those areas are formulaic memorization of things and application. There's not much of, of what I consider my line of work is as a lawyer, which is synthesis of complex ideas, uh, and, and, and which I consider to be, uh, more impactful on your way of thinking. Uh, I don't know about that for law. Law strikes me as pretty much the same. (laughs) (laughs) Memorizing a bunch of shit. No one cares about. And then sure. Yeah, sure. We'll talk about that off the air when I have to rip you a new asshole. Anyways. (laughs) So we've already talked, uh, some about the on-campus right-wing groups like TPUSA, college Republicans, college fascists, college groipers, you know, all those sorts of things. Mm. But today the focus is more split where we're going to be talking about both on conservatives and how they treat college when they do attend or, or, or at least, you know, how the, the few who think that the people still should be attending, how they treat it, and how many of them rage against it in total opposition to the idea of attending at all. So, Are you saying they rage against the liberal arts machine? You know, there was something like that there, yeah. Rat, rat lamb. <laughs> uh, it's just great that, that Tom Morello uh, has a degree from Harvard. and So good. Nobody fucking knows that about him, except for <laughs> fans. Uh <laughs> So, full disclosure, right? Benedict and I are both products of higher education. Uh, oh, ha- extremely. Like, I'm the, I'm almost the most <laughs> a product of higher education as one can be. So, right. Uh, I have a bachelor's degree in political science and a JD. Uh, that's what we call a law degree in the United States. Mm. And Benedict has whatever they call that stuff in the UK. A bachelor's and a master's. For, sure. Fine. <laughs> uh, but first, uh, we need to talk a little bit about the culture war bullshit that came before this particular culture war bullshit. So, in the 1990s, the U.S. experienced a boom period for country music. Uh, <laughs> okay, I, you could have given you could have offered me a thousand dollars. I didn't guess know. Where the yeah, I knew you were not going to know going. what was going to be in the best sense. I was completely sense. blindsided by that. <laughs> uh, the likes of Tim McGraw, Garth Brooks, and Shania Twain, on and on. Vince Gill. Shania Twain slaps, though. To be fair. Yeah, like. you know what? I'm I'm with it. These boots are made for walking. Banger. 
you know, one of the one of one of the first CDs I got was "Man, I Feel Like a Woman," and I like. I was seven, and there's a, I was like running around the room singing. Man, I feel like a woman. It was great. You know, uh, young closeted me, um, <laughs> who who was a conservative shitbag externally, uh, who just there's something internal to me that I did want just a bop like that. Yeah. Uh, who would just play, uh, man, I feel like a woman, and and sing along at the top of my lungs because it is there a banger. Um, it's a banger. But those sorts of artists were making it onto the top 100 charts, and their impact on the culture in the United States was just as strong. And in the following decade of the 2000s, though, as all music does, generationally mm-hmm. and, and by the decade, country music changed. And where I think an argument could be made... Was that, it 9-11 that changed it? Uh, you know, had an impact. <laughs> go let's go pick up a Toby Keith album. <laughs> yeah. um, but... Where I think an argument could be made that the blend of sort of stadium rock, pop, and country elements that made it successful in the 90s was at least innovated in the, innovative in the way that it blended genres. Country music from then on has been essentially a formulaic mad lib where the only insertable words must be related to God, freedom, guns, trucks, fish, or women. Pause That's, it. Yeah. If you're listening. And go and listen to Bo Burnham's country songs. Yes. There. Yes. It's please that. do. Please do. It's exactly that. Uh, is that the one from Parks and Rec? Is that when he did that? No, or that no, no, no. Thing? He did it. He did a country song in his in in one of his specials. I forget which one yeah. it was. Was that after he did Parks and Rec or before? Yeah, because he was doing he, he was doing no, the was country al- thing. It was on after Parks and Rec. It was like his yeah. not not the last special, not Inside, but the one before that. He did a country music song, and it's uh, yeah, it's just good. Just it's just fantastic. It. Yeah. yeah um, and one of the most important aspects to the current formulaic form of country music is the propagation of this idea of, quote-unquote, being country. Yeah. And, and, you know, what the fuck does that mean? Also, what does country being country be, mean? Even, like, the pre-90s... I don't know about the 90s because I mm-hmm. wasn't paying attention and I was a yeah. child. But we both. Pre-90, yeah, pre-90s <laughs> country music was like... We were yeah, born in the, the same year, Benedict. Yeah, <laughs> pre-90s country music was like yeah i shot law enforcement what are you gonna do about it yep. and then now it's like oh kiss law enforcement's shoes it's it's bootlicking it's a lot yeah. of fucking bootlicking going on so like right well, i asked what does that mean what does being country mean and i can just tell you you know i didn't you just engage take in a just survey take the re off and you're fine right but as someone who was sucked into that lifestyle and culture war bullshit back at that time and who basically only listened to country music for several years it was a dark mm-hmm. period i can tell you um in my own approximation it is a concept only generally defined in a substantive way as you know sort of guns trucks confederate flags blah but boots hats boots and hats right but in practice, it has really come to be defined as the obverse of modern culture. Is that the right word? Obverse? The inverse? Inverse. That's the yeah. word I was looking for. Obverse. Obverse that, must mean something. That master's degree. <laughs> obverse must mean something. I'm sure it uh, does. But inverse is what I meant. And it's entirely synthetic, right? The majority of this country's population lives within 20 miles of a city, and it's been that way for mm-hmm. decades. The, the country life that is portrayed in this culture and in this music is more of a modern creation that sort of, in a way, sprung from the music and culture itself uh, far more than having ever existed in the real world. Mm. Uh, Being country includes some things that are obviously positive, right? Being able to perform labor, knowing how to fix things, 
caring about family, blah, blah, blah. Saying you grew up with all brothers and are a cool girl <laughs> <laughs> who knows how to play sports and fix uh, trucks. And according to my partner, when I spoke her today, to her earlier today about this, apparently a lot of songs about killing your husband. Um, I do recall several of those. I thought they were more about beating him up, but I don't, I don't recall the one. I mean, there's that That's one fun. about driving a truck. And, no, that was a guy who caught his wife cheating and drove a, a truck into the house. I can't remember the oh. name of that song, but somebody will know. Somebody will know what I'm talking about. Uh, but also, you know, funny thing uh, just about that concept, you know, all the people I've ever known who have been super into the concept of being country are the most inept at knowing how to fix things and performing labor that I've ever yeah, known. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just Ted like, Cruz. Yeah, it's absolutely Ted, that. Ted Cruz is, is, thinks he's country. Oh, God. I want to watch Ted Cruz try to fucking change oil. Right. Like I back when I was hanging out in this crowd, all my friends wearing boots and cowboy hats and, you know, talking about farming and trucks and tractors. They'd be like, hey, um, can you show me uh, how to change my oil? Because I was a mechanic like they don't to be to be fair to all all these people. I can't do it either, but that's fine. Like I don't pretend (laughs) you don't have to. That's yeah. the beauty of modern society. But more often than not, the framing of country music and country culture puts their ideas at odds with everything to the left of Mussolini and promotes what I think could fairly be called a fascist mythos. I think that country music is a modern-day fascist mythos in that it promotes a glorified past that never really mm-hmm. existed. It promotes the uh, idea of uh, a, a ideal family, which is, of course, a straight, white family Mm. uh promotes order it often glorifies violence against the other it promotes in-grouping and out-grouping it is full of male hegemony and toxic masculinity right i could go on for days right for example whenever guns come up in a country song it's often in the context of you're not gonna take mine they're my guns you ain't gonna get them uh when yeah sorry i'm quiet because i'm processing and thinking (laughs) have i presented an interesting idea to you maybe this might be the first one Uh, (laughs) no i i I think i disagree but i keep going okay well you know uh, uh uh when religion is sung about it is to show the difference between the singer and the listener who agrees with the singer and those damn heathens, right? Mm-hmm. There, that's that's an implicit part of it usually. Not often explicit on that front. I don't think I've, I can think of any of examples mm-hmm. off the top of my head. Uh, every character in a country song is somehow a farmer or a farmer's son or a farmer's daughter. Which, of course, given the fact that there's only about two million farms in the entirety of the United States and factory farming has been taking over since the 80s, pretty widely out from reality on that mm-hmm. front. Um, when trucks come up, it, it is in opposition to those pansies like me driving my little Honda hybrid that gets 50 miles an hour. By the way, fun 50 aside, miles an hour. 50, 50 miles a gallon, 50 miles okay. a gallon. Uh, I was going to fu- say, you need to go faster than that. Yeah. Fun aside on that front, though, is that I am doing a lot of remodeling in my partner's house, particularly our, our basement. Um, and I have done all of it using my partner's Subaru hatchback to get That's all fun. the materials back to the house, including like... 10 foot long two by eights. I can just mm. put them on the hatchback. I don't need a truck. And all those people that are driving trucks, they don't need trucks. It's just culture war bullshit. It's performative. And all this 
it ties into the idea of masculinity. It is performative masculinity, which is a component of toxic masculinity, right? Mm -hmm. Guns are masculine. Trucks are masculine. Mud, hunting, fishing, women, the way they treat them. It's all related to a core implicit element of toxic masculinity. And Mm. I can't really tell you what came first, the chicken or the egg. But somewhere along the way, country music in the early 2000s brought in a disdain for education and book learning that's implicit in most cases and explicit in some. You listen to some country music talking about how they're not college boys, how they're from the school of hard knocks, uh, all that sort of stuff that is just... Yeah, you know, I, I just... I, I Not to rain on your parade, but I just don't think that's unique to country music. I, you know, I can't think of the last metal song... No, that, but that not, included not a lyric about I, not n- being a college not, boy. Not metal, but like you could find those themes in hip hop music, definitely. Sure, I, I think certainly you could, and we could have a long conversation about problems within hip hop, particularly in the They're early two right, thousands. Yeah. We have said before on this show that toxic masculinity and misogyny are deeply rooted in early two thousands hip hop and rap. But those yeah, songs are and, bangers, but I think man. I think it's it's often it's often rooted in again not to get too deep into mm-hmm. it, but I think it's often it's often rooted in we talk a lot about in group and out group like mm-hmm. people that perceives that perceive themselves to be outside of the mainstream, right? Whether that's because they're you know ignored socioeconomically and left behind, whether that's you know on a farm or in a city or wherever that might be, I think I think that's probably where a lot of that arises. It's it's meant to. Not shock, but like describe like the idea is to describe the reality of the situation as you see it, even if it's in a in a I don't want to say yeah embellished in an embellished way. Well, um, and I, I think I would argue that the difference uh, is that country music, as opposed to rap, hip hop, whatever, uh, is engaged in the creation of an in and out grouping versus mm-hmm. hip hop, which comes from a legitimate. Uh, outgrouping that was not of that group's creation, right? Yeah, I would say where I would agree with you is I would say a a lot of country music's outgrouping is self-distancing from a perceived mainstream rather than... So it's like, oh, we don't want to be any part of that, whereas maybe uh, like hip-hop is we're just not a part of it and that's the reality. Sure, and I I think that difference matters. I think Uh, that difference does matter. But I do think, I mean, I, I, I do think that... There is, there are, I mean, it's not that all country is the way you're describing it because there is country music that is... Hashtag not all country, Benedict. The, I yeah, it. no, but you know what I mean. <laughs> and I think it's an important point. Like, I think, you know, we, we talk about this stuff. We want to be taken reasonably seriously in mm-hmm. our word. Like it is, you know, there is country that is narrative. It tells stories. It, like there is good country music. Like there just, there just is. I'm going to disagree with you on that front as no, someone who no. used to love it. Maybe no, there's a handful of songs that I no, will no, still no, listen no, to. No, 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 no. Okay, people like okay, people find get Kevin good country music because there is good. Country please, music. please don't fill my mentions with country yeah, music that do people it, love. Do it, do it, do it, do it. <laughs> Look, I think even the people who enjoy country music who may listen to our show uh, will agree with me that a lot of these things run through the music. That this is a part of it. Um, and, and you know, this is me going back to I was deep into it back in the late two thousands. Uh, and this is, this is, a lot of this is based off of my recollection and just lyrics that I remember <laughs> from songs I used to scream in my truck when I was driving around. <laughs> why did I have a pickup truck, Benedict? Ask me why I had a pickup truck. It's because, because of country music. That's why yeah. I had a pickup truck. Yeah. 
because you're a country boy. (laughs) (laughs) That's a Bo Burnham joke. Don't get mad at me. You're British. It's a word you're allowed to say for reasons I can't understand. Uh, I filled it out. Don't worry about it. (laughs) But country music did more and more begin to inculcate this anti-education, anti-book learning type of thing. Um, And I can't tell you whether they brought that in from the culture or whether that's something, you know, it may have been out there in the oeuvre, uh, but I I think they certainly concentrated it. They distilled it and they put it into the music uh, as part of creating that us versus them, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, For example, uh, Trace Adkins, uh, who I have seen in concert, by the way, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, released a song called Ladies Love Country Boys. Uh, which if you, I'm not going to bore anyone with the lyrics of the song, but I could just tell you that basically it places education, higher education in opposition with, I guess Trace Adkins is supposed to be the protagonist of the song, the country boy who the girl falls in love with, who is not all the stuff that is on the others, who is not educated, who wears camouflage britches, uh, all that sort of stuff. It's just out there. Um, actually, the music video for that song is actually decently entertaining, so maybe I'll link it in the show notes if anybody wants to see it. Uh, I can't tell you why, but uh, you just have to look at it for yourself. Um, but anyway, so we, we don't need to go into a whole episode about country lyrics, so I'll just ask everyone Seems to like we might. word. Uh, God, that would be a nightmare. That would be my nightmare. But the general underlying strain of country music and this part of the culture is a disdain for education, learning, and a seemingly intentional push for faux ignorance. I can tell you this was certainly what me and my friends at the time took from it. And it hit us hard. I was a lucky kid. I had a great family who gave me everything I could ever want, all the support in the world. I had straight-A grades all through high school. Nothing was ever hard for me in the education department. But when I got into this phase where I was hard on that country tip and becoming a proto-fascist, I just stopped caring and intentionally stopped trying. My grades went down, and I sort of took pride in pretending to be dumber than I was. It was a whole fucking thing. So, off the back of that period in the early to mid-2000s, I will say, I do believe country music was a huge driver. of. Remember, Benedict, we're talking about education today. Mm -hmm. I I gotta get us back to what we're supposed to be talking about. I do believe that it was a huge driver of this cultural shift, although not the only factor, that conservatives started avoiding college altogether, like I thought I would initially right out of high school. Mm -hmm. Now, unfortunately, the data on this trend is not as good as I would like it to be, but we can obviously see colloquially um, the shift against college. It has been heavily commented on in the past several years that the current Republican Party is on a warpath against college, and we had plenty of clips last time we, uh, we did the Lunatic Fringe showing their current stances on the issue. Uh, part of this is that the question didn't start being asked until it became obvious that it needed to be. But let's rewind a little bit before we get there. So a 1979 study in the American Journal of Sociology by Terry S. Weiner. <laughs> <laughs> Even college boys appreciate that. We, good Damn Wiener right. Joke. Damn right. <laughs> and Bruce K. Eklund uh, examined the relationship. That's between... not a fun name. No, Boo, I was kind of hoping that it would be Do Bruce better. K. 69420. Well, uh, even just like Wiener and Bun would have been great. <laughs> it would have been good. It would have been good. Uh, examine the relationship between education and political party and ask the question of whether the correlation was more related to education or social status and wealth. And it might surprise you to learn that back in 1979, at least, 
there was a positive correlation between college education and being a Republican, meaning that if you went to college, you were more likely to be a Republican than a Democrat. I mean, that's just a class thing, surely. You know, and that is generally where the authors of that study came down on. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, they they, uh, found that— What percentage of— People went to college in the nineteen in nineteen seventy. I, I didn't put it down in my notes, but certainly less than we have today. Yeah, it was a lot less accessible, and right, and the, mm-hmm. so the wealthy were more likely to go to college. If you're wealthy, you're also more likely to be a Republican. Unsurprisingly, a lot of those low taxes. Uh, but I think it's worth noting that this this just as a baseline that about fifty years ago, the situation was generally the opposite of what it is now. In that current day, if you go to college, you are more likely to end up being Let's let's just use. We always have to deal with this because we use like Democrat and Republican as analogs for left and right. Whether mm. or not that's technically accurate in this country, conservative, sure. But uh, that's the thing is that all the research on this also uses just Democrat. It uses party uh, party affiliation yeah, as their baseline. As you might so expect, yeah. Generally, that's what we're working with. But it was generally opposite back then to what it is now. And the study that uh, uh, the authors of that study found that. The number of years of education when controlling for socioeconomic status actually had a negative correlation with being Republican. So even back then, the number of years you were in higher education tended to turn you away from Republican and conservative ideas. But if you were of a high socioeconomic status, you were more likely to remain a Republican. So that's what they found with that study, which I don't think is really surprising. How many how many people did you say they studied? You know, I, I didn't put that in the notes, and I don't have it in front of me. Look. I will link it in the show notes so people can okay. check it out. It's You have to have, like, a library subscription to get into it. It's one of those. It's in JSTOR, I think. So if your local library has uh, JSTOR access, you should be able to get in and read it. Uh, or you might find a PDF of it somewhere. Anyways. Now, over the coming decades, obviously— it, Actually, step back from that for a second— Uh, That study didn't look into the views of education at all. It didn't say whether Republicans uh, saw higher education as positive or negative or Democrats, vice versa. Um, But, you know, I will just say we've read Willie Buckley's book. And at the very least, I can tell you that the whacked out insane right had a rage on as opposed to a hard on. Get it for the creeping socialism of Keynesian economics that was going into schools. And I don't think that Buckley, obviously, given that that book fucking failed and nobody gave a shit, I don't think that his views in, was that 59? I always forget what year it was that that book came out. It was 49 Uh, or 59. I always forget. I think it was early 50s it came out. Something like that. I don't know. Anyways, we can tell you that there's been a right-wing hatred for some aspects of college for a long time, certainly. I feel like there was maybe even a resurgence of it. Like, I feel, again, this is based on impressions and anecdata i feel like maybe like under maybe like under reagan it became more of a thing or like pre i feel like there was a a hatred of it under buckley and then there was like a dip in republican hatred of it in the 70s and 80s well and then it came back with a bit of a no nothing vengeance maybe when fucking gingrich got in yeah and that's actually a bit part of our story here right so we have to go back to the civil rights era and the fact that college campuses were a huge font of student activism, obviously Mm -hmm. that's where students are, uh, for civil rights in the South. Uh, Now, obviously, Southern conservatives, who were Democrats at the time, yeah, uh, but uh, I think we've all come down on the fact that that's a conservative ideology. Um, Obviously, they were against all this, and you saw the sort of 
you know, what would become the Reaganites uh, who were growing up in this time, maybe they already were a little older, out of college already, uh, really hate this sort of activism on campuses during the civil rights era. They wanted the Mm -hmm. respectability politics. They wanted this civil rights thing. It shouldn't involve all these long-haired weirdos out there waving signs. It should involve them sitting around and waiting for their white elected officials to give them rights when they see fit. That's what should happen. Just go back and read articles from the civil rights era of people commenting on white people commenting on what they think the civil rights movement should look like. Uh, You'll get the general idea of how they look. But obviously they had a disdain for the way that students were behaving in the 60s and 70s. And then you get to 1980s. Uh, certainly also worth noting the multiple times that National Guards were sent in uh, for not only civil rights protests on college campuses, but also for anti-war demonstrations on college campuses. The Kent State Massacre, obviously, be one, being one of the, the most widely uh, remembered events of that time, uh, where uh, Nixon sent in the National Guard and massacred several individuals, students who were protesting against the Vietnam War. Um so, of course, you know, the, the, the conservatives have never looked kindly on the sort of people who uh, are active on college campuses, in social issues, in political issues, and things like that. Uh, that's always been the case. But bringing it back closer to our modern day, I think, you know, same things sort of happened in the 1980s. You had protests against Reagan, all this sort of stuff. I'm sure we didn't have the sort of news sphere back then that we have now. So I don't really think that it was, you, you didn't really, let's get to the part where we talk about Fox News' fucking role in all this, Ben. Let's just do that, okay? <laughs> let's do that. Okay, go, 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 go. So over the coming decades, you saw a rising narrative that colleges were hostile to conservatives and the conservative ideology, right? In some part, I have to say this is true. Uh, colleges are institutions for the study of ideas, and when it comes to ideas with moral or practical implications, it is just simply not possible to remain neutral on ideas. And simply put, conservative ideas are, for the most part, bad, patently wrong, or immoral. And the overwhelming majority of people who engage in any sort of analysis of them just come out on that side. That's the way it works. Mm -hmm. And another part of it is that colleges are a place where People of multitudinous backgrounds come together to mingle and meet, work together, learn, etc., which is to some extent, I don't know if I'd say fully, um, opposed to the majority of right-wingers' views on society. They are opposed to changing ideas. They are opposed to this sort of interaction. I They're, mean, that's that's fundamentally what conservatism is, though, is the opposition yes, to changing ideas. absolutely, right? And also, their view is one of homogeneity. Mm -hmm. Why does every country song sing about farmers, even though there's not that many fucking farmers? Why does everyone need to drive a pickup? Uh, Why is everything that doesn't meet their ideal vision of society not manly or not American or whatever? But in a college environment, you encounter people who do not meet your view as conservative of how society uh, should be ordered. And more importantly, you're not allowed to attack them lest you be shunned by your peers or possibly punished, depending on what exactly you do, right? Mm -hmm. If you walk around campus with a God hates fag sign, you're not going to get invited to many of the best parties. Mm -hmm. And I I take it back to the idea of being country that I talked about earlier. Every conservative may not be a country music fan, but the analog persists even outside of the countryside of their culture of toxic masculinity, aggression, attacking and criticizing others that don't fit their mold. We see this in the 
trigger the libs narrative or not narrative yeah, strategy yeah, yeah. that has captured the entirety of the right. So is college and university hostile to conservatives? No, it's hostile to their behavior, which is mm. often just wrong. And their ideas, which are just shitty. Uh, I wouldn't say it's even hostile to their ideas. It's critical of their ideas, which yeah. they take as hostility. Um, but fast forward to the present day, and we do have some interesting data that pertains directly to our question at hand. So Pew Research, if you don't know, is one of the largest research polling organizations in the country and has been keeping tabs on this particular question since 2010. Um, it's worth noting that obviously conservatives, fascists, uh, and the right that is not, in, they're not all entirely captured by the label Republican. But as I said earlier, all these use party affiliation as a metric. So it's all sort of in terms of Republican versus Democrat. In particular, they asked survey takers about various institutions and whether they think that they have a positive impact on the way things are going in the country. So, for example, asking that questions for unions, uh, you generally get 50% or higher from Democrats, seeing it as positive, and about mid-30s from Republicans. You can take from that that Republicans generally see unions as negative. In 2010, this survey showed that regarding colleges and universities, 65% of Democrats saw them as positive and 58% of Republicans saw them as positive. That's 2010. That's not a huge split, but it's definitely no. noticeable, especially given that just 50 years prior, Republicans were the majority of college grads. Uh, in 2012, that split went to 67% positive for Democrats and 53% for Republicans. It's a noticeable drop. Still positive, though. Still positive. In 2015, we get 70% Democrats and 54% Republicans. And in 2016, we got 72% Democrats, 43% Republicans. Interesting. When that, did TPUSA start? Uh, you know, I think that was earlier. I think it was 2012 TPUSA got started. If I remember but right, maybe I we're might starting to get a foothold by 20, 2016. But that was the start of a slide that got pretty dramatic over the course of just a few years. We'll talk about my reasoning for why this happened in just a minute, but let me give you the rest of the numbers first. So in okay. 2017, we get 72% Democrat, 36% Republican. And in 2019, which is the last data point that Pew had on this in the, the study I was looking at, we got 67% Democrat, 33% Republican. That is quite a shift. Okay. So, and what, so what do we think is the, the reason for the Democrat well, thing? Is that, is that cost, college costs? or? I, I was going to ask you if you can yeah. think of any re – well, so, so as far as Democrats, their, their, re their numbers going up, I think there's a number of things to that. First off, generational shifts. A lot more previous college grads who came out. And well, it went, it went down. Left. It went down at the end, though, right? It was it, it peaked at seventy. It, it went down by like four points, which I think is yeah. is within margin of error. Um, okay, I don't I don't think that's anything really significant. Uh, but it could certainly have gone down slightly because of sort of those uh, college cost issues that are talked about a lot. Uh, that's certainly one of them. But I'm more interested in what you think was the reason for the decline in the Republican numbers, which I'll remind you began in 2016. That is when that big decline begins to start. Uh, Anti-intellectualism in the Republican Party. Okay, that's existed for a long time. You, yeah. you got you got to be more specific. <laughs> I mean, let's think. It's weird because they all went to fucking Harvard. I mean, Trump didn't obviously. Well, he went to. Wharton, I, I, but... So let's let's split things up first. Talking about the well, what okay, we will call so the intellectuals it, it, of the Republican Party, the, the leaders, there's, there's, those people so all went to college for the most part. Uh, yes. Uh, another thing is education polarization is increased. Yes. Just so that means that a greater number of people that didn't go to college 
are now voting for the Republican Party. Sure. But but this is a survey of people who did go to college and how satisfied they were, or is this... Remind me what the survey was actually This serving. was a survey of just the American public. Okay, so that could be it. It could be that there's an alignment of education polarization and that more people who are naturally suspicious of college are now just voting for the Republican Party because of Donald Trump. It could that's, be true. Could be true. But I, that, that, I don't quite think that explains this drastic drop over no, the space it's a, of just No, it's a, a precipitous drop. Um... Yeah, I mean, well, I, like talking about the leadership, I mean, the leadership is now more know-nothing than it probably has been since the 90s um, with Trump, with, like, even the people that went to Harvard pretending that they hate college. Oh, yeah, because despite... Harvard is so woke, of course, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Ben Shapiro. Um, yeah, who also went to Harvard. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't have a concrete explanation for it necessarily, but I, I would... I would see a correlation there with the the increased education polarization and would imagine that some of the pretending to be anti-college signaled by the leadership is probably because the base does often follow the leadership on some of these things like the base leads sometimes but sometimes it does follow well lucky you benedict i do have what i believe to be an explanation for most of this and its name is ben shapiro okay uh so First, in 2016, remember that's the first year of our big drop. In the beginning of the, that year, Ben Shapiro began a push for a long speaking tour at college campuses around the country. Okay. And in February 2016, he had planned to give a, seat, a speech at California State University, Los Angeles, titled, When Diversity Becomes a Problem. Because remember, Ben is just a troll and nothing else. Uh, this ben speech, Shapiro, not me. Well, both. I am, uh, I am sometimes a troll, but also <laughs> other things. Uh, this speech was initially canceled by the college after student opposition because he's a shitbag troll. Uh, but then they flipped on it and decided to let him do it anyway. But protesters formed a human chain around the auditorium and prevented it from happening. So this received not only coverage before it happened, but Fox, of course, was ginning this up as a major event when really... It was a fucking nothing. It's students don't want Ben Shapiro, that piece of shit, on their fucking campus. Was this post the Milo stuff? Presumably. This is before. That's why okay. I didn't say it was Milo who was the big cause of this. Yeah, but yeah, okay. Let me just give you a clip that gives you an idea of how Fox was covering this. Uh, this is Fox Breathlessly, Business. no doubt. Fox Business, uh, Adam Shapiro, no relation, uh, before the, the speech event actually went down. Conservative speaker is none other, none other than the author Ben Shapiro. No relation to me, but he's well known. Several books. Reason why I pointed out is because he pointed it out. <laughs> yeah, a conservative, and he was invited by Young America's Foundation oh, and the fuck. university. St- Young America's Foundation, who we know quite well because of their yeah. fascist book list. And no, that's not hyperbole. They have Pat Buchanan's racist ass fucking book on their list of things every young conservative should read student body actually approved twice they have an organization approved twice going forward with this speech but after liberals protested the university president canceled it so Shapiro's going to show up in roughly two hours cameras rolling and he intends to deliver the speech anyway what he's going to talk about is cameras rolling i know it's a fucking publicity stunt which is the you know that's that that's the tell there's your fucking they all know they all fucking know a speech entitled when diversity becomes a problem and he touches upon the issue of race something that he and i discussed and he says it's kind of like the third rail of public discourse here's what he said 
Yeah, because it's fucking like racist. Eric Holder said we're a nation of cowards on race. He's exactly right. The problem is the cowardice tends to come from the left, and it's acquiesced in by the right. The, the right tends to go along to get along with all of the myth-making about how America's a deeply racist, horrible country. I will remind everyone that Ben Shapiro once wrote about how Palestinians like to eat and uh, 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 live in uh, open sewer and eat shit, whatever the fuck it was. And bomb things. Yeah, yeah little racist uh, yeah. fucker. Yeah. 50 years after. I'm not, I'm, look, Benedict, this is, this is me going on a stretch. I think I could beat up Ben Shapiro. I think He's I could beat up five Ben Shapiro. He's five foot four, isn't he? A and I will guess I have about 80 pounds on him. I would say so. I would I say you I have could two Ben up. Shapiros in you. So by the rules of right-wing logic, I am the superior man. Mm. Just pointing that out. Years after the end of Jim Crow. Now, Ben Shapiro is on a 10-city... Sounds like he ended halfway through a sentence there. Yes, it did, didn't it? I wonder yeah. what he had to say after that. I wonder mm. what. We won't find out. Uh, so, yeah, Fox was pushing this hard at the time, as was the entirety of the right-wing media. Uh, they'd been on the campus craziness tip for years by the time 2016 rolled around. Um, and in sort of a snake-eating-its-own-tail sort of way, this was all a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm -hmm. Inasmuch as it was 100% Ben Shapiro's intention to get his speeches shut down or protested by doing things like having these bullshit t titles like when diversity becomes a problem. Yeah, it's like a Streisand effect type thing, isn't it? Where they want to draw attention to the, yeah. to the fact that it was taken away. And the right glommed onto this culture war issue because let's be honest, the optics of it were great for them. Oh, mm -hmm. look at the intolerant left little cuck babies Can't crying about free some free speech. It used to be, Berkeley used to love free speech, and now they hate free speech. It's narrative building, you're right. Right, and Ben Shapiro was far from the only one doing this. You, obviously, you had Richard Spencer of the famous uh, Pepe the Frog Punch uh, doing a college <laughs> tour around this time. Yeah, that's what he's famous for. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm going to make it what he's famous yeah. for. Uh, Charles Murray of the Bell Curve started, for no reason at all, I'm sure, getting invited to give speeches by college mm -hmm. Republican clubs. Uh, and then, of course, you had Milo Yiannopoulos doing his tour. Uh, all of these were aimed at intentionally getting a reaction from the left because the paradigm of grievance culture and triggering the libs to what I think would be irreconcilable concepts by the time of 2016, we're both so deeply embedded in right-wing culture that all of this just played perfectly to them. Mm. So Ben Shapiro's speeches were protested at basically everywhere he went because he's a cretin and he should be fucking protested. And Fox News and these new burgeoning right-wing platforms, even more extreme than Fox, right? We had a bunch of these coming up on YouTube and such. Uh, RSBN, one of them. Uh, Newsmax, which, yes, had been around at time, but nobody cared about it. Uh, OAN, I think, came up around this time. Uh, they were all covering this extensively, as did all the right-wing grifters from your Cernoviches, your Weird mm. Mikes, uh, to your your Pizzagate and weird Soviets. Mike. Weird Mike, that's what he is. I, He's a fucking weird-ass dude. Know, He's also possibly, allegedly, a rapist. Um, cool. We will be talking about him on an episode, don't worry. We will, I, we will be I was talking, worried we wouldn't. We will be talking about Weird Mike and Jack and Jack Posobiec. Do not be afraid. Uh, but the big one, the big enchilada, I would say, was Milo's attempted speech at UC Berkeley in February 2017. Now, mm. full disclosure, I was there for this. Mm -hmm. I was at UC Berkeley at the time, and I was there in Sproul Plaza during the protest watching this happen. Uh, the protest started just as one of my classes was ending, and I walked over to the protest with everyone else. 
Uh, thousands of students were standing there protesting that shithead who the night before had put posters all over our campus that said dangerous faggot on them. Um, right. And, and who had, at his previous speech at UC Davis, had mocked trans students who he thought mm. were ugly uh, and had come out that at this speech at Berkeley, he had planned to out undocumented students. And also, full disclosure, one of my friends and roommates at the time, who I think you met, I'm pretty yep. sure you met, yeah, was yeah. an undocumented person. Mm-hmm. And I have no qualms about saying that shutting Milo down was a good move. Fuck yep. that shithead. But of course, the optics were bad. You had all these photos and video of a fire burning outside of the MLK building in Sproul Plaza, mm. some broken windows, people wearing Antifa garb. Black. Um, <laughs> And that's all they needed to turn this into the largest assault on free speech in history mm. of an actual fucking Nazi, of course, as we all know now. I, I do I do want to remind everyone that at the time he was going to do this speech, uh, as we've learned from the uh, emails that BuzzFeed got a hold of, Milo was already actively supporting Nazis through his job at Breitbart. Yeah, in regular contact with Richard Spencer, right? And was, Andrew uh, Anglin of the Daily yeah, Stormer, yeah. right? He gave, he also, I think it was Spencer, it might have been one of the others, who he was giving, uh, you know, pre-published versions of his articles to for notes before he published them. To Richard fucking Spencer, America's most famous neo-Nazi at this moment, right? There's been others who were more famous than that. Yeah, yeah. And of course, now he's just openly a fucking Nazi working with Kanye West and Nick Fuentes. He was fired from that campaign. But go watch him sitting on fucking Alex Jones or sitting on fucking uh, Mm -hmm. Tim Pool. He was right there putting out anti-Semitism with the rest of them. And this this in particular, this this thing about Milo pisses me off more than anything, because a few weeks after that thing happened at Berkeley with Milo, I was at dinner with my parents. And of course, it came up. And I was just like, oh, he's a fucking worthless Nazi troll. And my dad was there defending Milo. Uh, so oh, I've read his articles. He has a point. Blah, 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 blah. And just a few months later, uh, that year, it was October 2017, those BuzzFeed emails came out, yep, uh, proving that right. Milo was a fucking Nazi the entire time, as mm-hmm. we knew. But, of course, the optics were good for them. Uh, and Milo, of course, got plenty of airtime on Fox, which I'll play a little bit for you now. Hi, Tucker. How are you? I'm 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 interested in what happened exactly. So tell us. You were I mean, our understanding is you were set to give a speech at UC Berkeley tonight. You knew there were going to be protests, and then violence erupted, and you had to leave. Is that correct? And fill in the blanks for us. Right. Well, we knew there would be protests uh, from the social media activity. We knew from the police. I have a pretty good sense of when things are going to get a bit rowdy, and we knew that UC Berkeley was going to be a problem. Not least because they have a big free speech problem. Obviously, it's a liberal campus, so they they hate any libertarians or conservatives who dare to express an opinion on their. Or Nazis. We hate yeah. Nazis. I can tell you, on behalf of UC Berkeley and all of its alumni, we've, well, not all of them, most of them, uh, we fucking hate Nazis. It's amazing uh, how far you can get in the US with a British accent and sounding <laughs> and, and talking fast, just from personal experience. <laughs> Good point. Yep. On their campuses. They particularly don't like me. Uh, and so this evening we got into the building, started preparing for the show, and people started arriving in black clothes and masks. They were clearly carrying concealed shields, weapons and things. And then stuff started being hurled at the, uh, at the building. There were rocks being thrown, um, various other things being thrown at the building. Eventually the ground floor was breached and I was evacuated. 
Who evacuated you? Breach. Uh, my security detail. I have an excellent team of uh, Navy SEALs, various other people, and some Navy police, SEALs. Uh, from the... I don't believe for a second that he had fucking Navy SEALs. He has SEALs. an actual SEAL that guards him. He yeah. has one guy who washed out a SEAL school and <laughs> is now uh, protecting Nazis. So, I, guess, I mean... Am I, I mean, tell me if I'm misreading this, but this looks like the nightmare scenario. This looks like political violence designed to squelch opinions the perpetrators of that violence disagree with. Am I reading it correctly? Of Nazis. Of Nazis. That's exactly what it is. And what's particularly scary and particularly should be particularly troubling is it not only happened on an American college campus, you know, supposedly in the land of the free, you know, these are these places where you should be able to engage with different ideas. Places where you should be able to hear hear speakers and students who come to my talks who don't necessarily agree with me but just want to hear the other side, they were they were prevented from doing so this evening by violence from the left. The left. Nobody who didn't agree with Milo wanted to go in and hear him fucking talk. Fucking. Well, nobody. it's also like uh, yeah, uh, not to get all waters free speech really, but like the internet exists like if people want to hear milo's views they can go and hear milo's views yes. maybe not now yes because he's been scrubbed <laughs> from everything but you know what i mean because like, everyone's like oh we didn't associate with a nazi for the better part of a decade no forget yeah. about that where 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 where'd all these breitbart articles go it's just like National Review washing their yeah. civil rights uh, era stuff. From <laughs> well, the they era. just haven't digitized their archive. Yeah. Oh, Review. we'll get around oh, to yeah, it eventually. Don't worry about it. We're publishing It'll so happen. much news stuff. Don't worry about what we said about civil rights. Now, the, the free speech grift that Milo and others were on will probably be getting its own episode in itself. But I think most of us alive at the time, uh, seven years ago, uh, yep. probably remember how hard the free speech grift was being pushed at that time. Uh, but Milo's shutdown really kicked off a year of terror for college campuses. Mm. Uh, that year alone at Berkeley, we had at least four more events where fascists came to town to get the reaction they knew they would get and then go off and cry about my free speech and rake in cash from it. Uh, mm. You probably recall that I was at all the protests that happened in Berkeley. I certainly um, do. We were, we were doing a different show at the time. Uh, we had, of course, multiple freedom marches that summer. Uh, mm-hmm. One of them on uh, March 4th that they, they called the March for Trump. Uh, and another one they did on the 4th of July. In both of those cases, fascists came from all over the state and even thousands of miles away to go trigger those Berkeley libs. Uh, they were just, they were full. And I, I have the photos still somewhere of literal neo-Nazis, Groypers, although I didn't even know who the fuck Groypers were at the time. I just saw all the Pepe shit and Kekistani mm-hmm. flags and whatnot. Uh, I didn't have a fucking clue because I, I just didn't know they existed back then. And of course, militia members from fucking Michigan came to Berkeley to protect the rest of the fascists at those events. Uh, but it wasn't just a, a Berkeley problem. The fascists were doing this at universities across the country because I think they all saw how successful a tactic it was. These mm-hmm. things were getting massive media play on Fox News and all the other outlets, just all over the place. And as we'll talk about another day, obviously, the summer of 2017 was also the summer of the Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville, which, of course, ended with the murder of Heather Heyer. Mm-hmm. Uh, that event, like I said, was organized to take place near the college and the torchlight Nazi march the night was before uh, went onto the campus of the University of Virginia and attacked the students and others there, uh, including Molly Conger, who I always recommend uh, as a good follow on social media, um, around the Robert E. Lee statue on campus. So that long drawn out discussion of campus craziness and all the bullshit that happened in 2016 and 2017 
could have basically just been summed up by me saying, remember 2016 and 2017? Yeah. Remember? <laughs> yeah, but, I look, I don't think that's enough. Like I, the same way you said, oh, uh, maybe to my stuff. I'm going to say, oh, uh, maybe to your stuff, because I think there's probably a combination of things. I don't think campus tours is is enough to be like that's making people not want to no 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 no. i think i think you're mistaking what i'm saying a little bit what i'm saying that is it was the right-wing media going into a full-on entire year that honestly never stopped they're still doing it to this today of campus is a violent dangerous place where your kids get turned into antifa Mm. is what caused this change that is what I think is the primary. Maybe. I don't necessarily think it's the fact that Ben Shapiro went to UC Berkeley. Mm-hmm. I think it is the fact that right-wing media correctly saw this as something that they could jump on and push so completely and heavily to their audiences to just turn them against college, that just turned them against the idea of college entirely. And I don't know if it was intentional to turn people against college or if it mm. was just to propagate the culture war narrative, but I think that its effect was that drastic drop that we saw in a positive view of college and university on the right. Okay. I I <laughs> I think it's probably a, a major factor. I don't know that it's the cause, but fine. Sure. When you come up with another possible major cause for I did. me. I, I said another major cause, education polarization realignment. Right. That 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 is due to things like this campus craziness. This, that is due to the propagation of this narrative. No, it's not. Is what I'm arguing. No, no, no. No, no. That's a separate thing. And it, it, and they could be intertwined. But education polarization realigning okay, is but the, not but, but due that, to... Here's my, here's my counter-argument to that. That's is it, due, it doesn't that's make due, sense no, 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 based no, no, no. on that, the numbers. That's due to... Okay, but the, the, it could be a significant factor in it. That's due to populism and saying... And winning over people who never went to college and live in the Rust Belt, for example. But, but why would that cause on. even them, who maybe previously thought, my kids can go to college, that's a positive thing, they can improve their lives, that's a positive mm-hmm. for society. Why would that cause them to suddenly have a negative view of college and university? Well, what was the, what was the question that was asked? The, co- the question was, do you basically, uh, I'll, I'll pull up the exact question for you okay. because I don't have it right here, but it was generally just, is your view of, uh, college positive or negative it was long right so it's not should i send my kids to college it's do you like college and if 10 percent of people shifted from democrats who hated college to republicans that hated college that's a shift in those numbers so so here's the question just because so, okay. you asked yeah. um does college and a university have a positive or negative effect on the way things are going in the country mm. and just like i said based on the numbers yeah, if you're saying that it's just a, a realignment, I know I don't think it's just that, that. I just said it's another. It's I think it, I think that's one of the factors, and I think yours is probably one of the factors too. I don't think you're wrong. I just think you dismissed me overly rapidly. <laughs> okay, okay. I guess we can agree to disagree on that particular issue. Fine. Uh, but so, oh boy. I'm I'm lost in my notes now because you uh, end, took ta-da! me off on this fucking tangent. <laughs> So, um, uh, right. I certainly believe that my position on why this happened is correct. Uh, okay. Benedict, Benedict will argue with anyone on Twitter who disagrees. I uh, will argue with anyone that talks to me about anything. Sure. But the right stumbled backwards. In, they didn't intend to do this, I don't think, into a strategy of baiting their opponents into conflict on college campuses, then using the megaphone of all right-wing media to push this image of colleges as so backwards and screwed up 
that before people would think, ah, it's going to turn my kid into a lib, uh, because often it did. Uh, now it was a much more extreme revulsion. College is going to turn my kid into a black mask wearing Antifa who hates free speech and attacks Nazi rallies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so tie all this into the more mundane college craziness repertoire of the right wing media, which didn't stop while all this was happening, right? Remember, it was also 2016 when Jordan Peterson came to the international fame for lying about what was in a Canadian human rights law uh, and refusing to call students by their preferred pronouns. Mm-hmm. I don't think it can be overstated uh, how massive this shift was from 2015 to 2016 with the beginning of the Trump era. I know I've said it many times, but it's really where the fake libertarian mask just slipped and all the Mm -hmm. fascist teeth started showing. Uh, But we saw a huge rise in hatred for trans people in this period. Not that trans people were accepted before, but this is also the time period in which the right-wing media amped up the just constant disgusting attacks on trans people that have continued to today. And mm-hmm. because colleges are much more progressive and supportive than the general public typically, it was on campus where the right found much of its ammo to attack the basic accommodations for trans or non-binary people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was also in 2017 when that notorious dipshit Brett Weinstein lied about the day of absence at Evergreen College to get himself mm-hmm. national media attention at Fox News, which was another right-wing media freakout over campus craziness. The list just goes on and on, right? From issues of race to immigration to gender identity and sexual orientation that colleges are just on the correct side of, or at least mm-hmm. better generally, um, and the right-wing media's megaphone at this time just kept blaring 24-7 about all of this to every boomer uncle and casually racist grandpa in the country, which I certainly believe is the primary driver for the fast decline in positive views of college from 2016 onwards. But of course, they have found a good thing, and they're going to chew on that bone till it's gone. So in 2019 and 2020, Chris Rufo, chief dipshit over the Manhattan Institute, really began his coordinated campaign to create a fake issue for the right to be mad about. And of course, I'm talking about CRT. Uh, Great. Rufo did at least... Really playing the hits in this episode. At least 20 Fox News interviews I can find in a quick search in 2020 alone. And I do think it's fair to say that this was a deliberate choice inside Fox to push this as their new issue. Fox is, as we've said before, as I think everyone understands, a propaganda wing of the Republican Party. That is all that Fox is. Uh, It it is generally engaged in propaganda for Republicans. Mm. We've seen in the leaked emails that there is coordination with Republican politicos about how they do their messaging and what they say. Uh, Sometimes it's Fox telling the Republicans how to do things. Sometimes it's the other way around. It's general, that is definitely the case. Um, and it, it might, that might be something that happens on the left or, or on the Democratic side with like CNN too. I don't know, but we certainly know it to be the case for Fox. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've talked about CRT before, and I don't think there's any need to belabor it here, but of course they just don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Yeah. And I think one of the better examples of this is Actually, uh, The Good Liars, uh, Jason Selvig, and I forget who the other one is. I don't remember his name, Uh, but I think everyone knows who they are. They're comedians. Uh, But even though I I sort of dislike the gotcha for humor aspect of this type of thing pretty often, I kind of think they do it pretty well and can be pretty revealing at times when they're just talking to random people at Trump rallies. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've seen multiple videos of them that keep coming into my feeds in the last few days even, probably because the algorithm knows I'm looking at education and CRT and stuff. Yeah. Just asking people at Trump rallies for the basics of what they don't like about CRT. 
And none of these people can give even the barest definition of what it is. And I, I don't think it's because those people are dumb. I legitimately think it's because they haven't actually been told what CRT is. They, they've been told that it's about hating America and mm. it's about ruining your kids and it's racist. They've yep. been given buzzwords. They haven't actually been explained anything about what CRT is because if you were to do that, it's really hard to argue against a it's lot really of the ideas of CRT. It's really hard to be like, oh, I'm against that. <laughs> a lot of the ideas of CRT are actually really interesting and really persuasive. Uh, that's why I think it's pretty hard to argue against. But uh, for an example, here's Sean Hannity with a special guest uh, discussing CRT. Um, and I want you to just tell me if they ever actually provide any information about CRT. I'm going to tell you things. right now before you play it, no. Correct! Wow, yeah. you're a genius. Thank you. That's that college education. Way, who has become a beacon of hope for Americans in Florida and beyond, Governor Ron DeSantis. Oh, He's for standing fuck's up sake, Kevin. Critical race theory. Look, we are going to have to talk about Ron DeSantis now. We have to, because he is going to be, I think, the next Republican nominee. I think they're done with Trump. I think the I fact don't. that Trump is no longer uh, uh, on Twitter, well, he is now, but he's not tweeting there. That allows the Republican Party to pretend that Donald agrees with whatever they think, even when he directly criticizes Ron DeSantis because he knows he's his actual challenger for the Republican nomination. Yeah. Uh, but he's going to be one of the biggest, most important individuals on the fascist right in the coming years. And we mm -hmm. have to talk about it. Theory against rioting, lawlessness, and against lockdowns. He's joining us tonight with reaction. Uh, Governor, good to see you. Thank you for being with us. Let me read what you said about critical race theory. You said the woke class wants to teach kids to hate each other rather than teaching them how to read. We're not going to let them bring nonsense ideology into Florida schools. Uh, you love the state, you love the country, and it's unthinkable. There are people in positions of leadership in the federal government who believe that we should te teach kids to hate our country. We're not going to stand for it in Florida. Tell us why. Well, first of all, Sean, we're happy to have uh, abandoned him. First thing you should know about Ron DeSantis, he even sounds stupid. You know, my, my hot take about Ron DeSantis is he's never going to be president because he's under six foot. And that is like... <laughs> <laughs> he's like 5'9". There's no way he's going to be president. How dare you tell me I'll never be president, there, Benedict? There, there are other reasons why you won't be president, Kevin. <laughs> uh, yeah, th no, I, he's like 5'9", I think. And, and like he's like as, as wide as he is tall. There is no way that he is ever going to be president. He's Well, okay, but, but Donald... Ron DeSantis is uh, the only... The word that comes to mind to describe the way he looks physically is dumpy. He's very dumpy. Looking. Yeah, he's a bit of a chode of a person. <laughs> um, yes, indeed just, he is. He's just he's just not gonna. He like my okay. Th this I know this is like besides the point, and maybe we talked about this already. But I genuinely think you have to be funny to be president. Like I know yeah. I know it's not <sighs> like now that he's not president anymore. Trump has a sense of comedic timing. Obama is funny. George W. Bush was funny. Sometimes on purpose, sometimes by accident. Bill Clinton is funny. H.W. Bush was not funny. Ronald Reagan was funny. Jimmy Carter, not funny. So since Reagan, you pretty much need to be funny. <laughs> like in the television era, you need to have a sense of comedic but, timing. By the way, sad news, sad news about Carter uh, this last yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no. Sad news about that. Uh, not Everyone funny, seems though. to love Jimmy Carter 
Uh, yeah, because I think everyone feels bad about Reagan being elected. Yeah, <laughs> like, I think that's a everyone's lot of it. like, ah, oh, Jimmy Carter wasn't that bad. Like I, we really did Jimmy Carter. And yeah. to be fair, I think people were unnecessarily mean to Jimmy Carter at the time. I, everyone was doing their best. The well, you country know, wasn't in great shape. As we learned from, was it from Alex or was it from Nundere Kalk or was it from? Uh, God, I don't remember which book it was from. Uh, that Jimmy Carter was handpicked by the CFR. Uh, to be the next candidate. That was true. Yeah, that was it. I think that was uh, Anyways, let's continue the clip. In Florida, it's not going to be allowed in Florida classrooms. Spending tax dollars to teach kids that America no, he's is a way too much place, of a dweeb. Uh, is he is not going to do well on the national level. Uh, if you look at how some of this stuff manifests itself in classrooms that we have seen examples of, it's not a conspiracy theory dividing kids based on race, trying to say some are oppressors and some are oppressed based on race, attacking law enforcement and saying law enforcement uh, attacks people based on race. Those things are poison. That is not what we should be doing. What we should be doing is solid curriculum based on the actual facts of American history and teaching kids what it means to be an American. Cool, man. What are the actual facts of American American history? As we judge people not on the color of their skin, but on the content of their character. It's the one MLK quote they know. It's the one MLK. That's that's the facts of American history is the one MLK quote they know. I heard him almost fuck that up as he said it. (laughs) Like, I heard the panic in his voice when he was like, which way round is it? You can hear the fucking... If you listen back to that, you can hear the cogs in his brain turning yep. as he says... "Yeah, Yep, yep, I think you might be right there. But that's the general trend with the right-wing media's CRT discussions. Just, mm-hmm. there's no substance there. That's just calling decades-old right-wing grievances CRT and throwing about hyperbole about hating America, blah, 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 blah. And then blah, the one MLK blah, blah. quote that they know, as we've already said. Uh, but speaking of DeSantis, right? Uh, Ronnie has, of course, risen not only as Donald Trump's number one competitor in 2024, but also as one of the chief opponents of higher education in the country. Uh, in a legislative uh, uh, proposal, that's what this is, less than a month ago, for example, uh, the press release for this, by the way, was titled, Governor DeSantis Elevates Civil Discourse and Intellectual Freedom in Higher Education. Very unironically, very yep. unironically, they, they put that out. Uh, he made the following proposals, including requiring the State University System Board of Governors and the State Board of Education to review and realign general education core courses to make sure they provide historically accurate, foundational, and career-relevant education, not suppress or distort significant historical events or include a curriculum that teaches identity politics. Benedict, the irony of that one alone could kill 20 persons. Yep. That's that is just, irony poisoning to the extreme. That is. That is. They are literally not allowing the teaching in that same paragraph. The, the Not including curriculum that teaches identity politics. Not allowing the teaching of some uh, concepts, some historical facts, as it were, uh, that are uncomfortable to white weirdos like Ron DeSantis. Mm-hmm. By the way, Ron DeSantis uh, molests pigeons. Uh, fun fact. I have to get a new t-shirt made because I have my one about Eric Greitens, but nobody remembers who he is now since he lost that election. I don't even remember who he is. Uh, Next, prohibiting higher education institutions from using any funding, regardless of source, to support DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, CRT, or other discriminatory initiatives. Requiring institutions, presidents, and boards of trustees 
to take ownership of hiring and retention decisions without interference from unions and faculty committees. That's Mm. just about getting rid of of, of unions unions and uh, tenure and all that stuff. Allowing institutions, presidents, and board of trustees to conduct a post-tenure review of a faculty member at any time with cause. I wonder what that cause is going to be. It's going to be that they're woke. That's what the cause is going to be. Prohibiting post-secondary institutions from using discriminatory political filters, including political loyalty oaths and DEI statements in the hiring process. That's utter nonsense. All of it's utter nonsense. There are no political loyalty oaths. None of this is good. It's not. Requiring the Board of Governors to align universities' missions for education for citizenship of the Constitutional Republic and Florida's existing and emerging workforce needs. It's a constitutional republic, not a democracy. Mm. Uh, providing additional responsibilities and clarifications for FSUs, that's Florida State Universities, Florida Institute of Politics, including renaming it to the Florida Institute for Governance and Civics, and providing additional responsibilities and clarifications to FIUs, I don't know what college that is, Adam Smith Center for the Study of Economic Freedom. Sure. Yeah. But of course, it is the New College of Florida that has had the most attention uh, attention for his attempt to turn it into a fascist paradise. Uh, the New College of Florida, if you don't know, is sort of modeled after the New School, a mm-hmm. liberal arts, very progressive university in New York City. Uh, the New College of Florida only has about 650 students, so of course it's the biggest problem for the Florida education system. Huge uh, problem. But its progressive reputation, of course, makes it of high concern mm-hmm. to the fascist right. And of course... DeSantis appointed everyone's favorite piss boy, Chris Rufo, to the board of trustees of the new school and has proposed a radical takeover and restructuring of it. Uh, The new board of trustees that he appointed has suggested that the college adopt a curriculum based on the private Christian Hillsdale College, a school that, of course, discriminates against LGBTQ plus students in not admitting them and therefore does not receive federal student aid funding. And, of course, they are planning to dismantle all diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives, so I'm sure that will all go very well. Obviously, Benedict, uh, you're frowning very hard right now. That is an intense frown. Yeah. Um, Honestly, I was listening to you, but also looking up a picture of Ron DeSantis, and that's the the face that caused me to make. He is very dumpy. Uh, None of these trends are good. Right. Uh, the, the trend away from conservatives having a positive view of college will definitely lead to fewer of them attending, which will only in turn add to the insular nature of their Entrench culture it, yeah. until there's basically no reaching them anymore. And on the other side, you might see the right under the guise of increasing intellectual freedom, actually restricting discussion of certain topics and trying to control air, higher ed. Uh, probably. Well, following... it'll just be they'll, they'll do their own universities. Well, right. Uh, That's the I. Well, in the case of Florida, they just want to hijack what's already there. But I think this all comes down to them trying to follow what uh, notorious coke fiend Andrew Breitbart always said, which is that politics flows downstream from culture, right? Mm. They've lost the culture war massively. And it seems like... I think Breitbart's not wrong about that, to be fair. Yeah, but I don't think it works in the way that Breitbart thought. I think that Breitbart thought that culture is created top down. Yeah, and that okay. you can no, change yeah, yeah, that no, culture no, yeah. and therefore change politics. Whereas that's not how culture works. Well, you can if you ban all the culture. 
sure. That's how you change culture. It's just authoritarian. <laughs> that is true. Uh, but it seems like this last gasp is a desperate attempt to cram their culture down the throats of students to keep their movement alive for a bit longer. And I honestly can't say if I think that will work at all or not. So I want to end on a bit of a positive note and say that in my experience in college and in interacting with other students and college grads, I don't think that the biggest influence on anyone's ideas or positions was what a professor said in the classroom. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it had more to do with engaging uh, with their peers, learning about new concepts and people, meeting people unlike them, uh, and confronting their own past beliefs and assumptions. And it seems to me like it is the college atmosphere itself that allows that to happen. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that is something that the fascists can take away as much as they might try. Mm. The, the few people who are, aren't able to uh, uh, change their ideas in college, who remain on that right side after they, they get in and, and leave, I, I think that's mainly because they create an alternative space for themselves, a bubble where they don't have to encounter others. And that uh, space it, is called the Federalist Society. <laughs> In law school, it is. Uh, and they give out free Chick-fil-A because they are two just trolls. Um, like, you know, but on the undergrad level, like college Republican clubs or whatever the most popular mm. fascist youth organization is today, we may, need, we may never have been able to reach them before and maybe it'll get harder now. But the biggest spot of hope that I've seen is something that Benedict mentioned a while back, which is a study showing that millennials and Gen Z are staying progressive as they get older, mm. not becoming reactionaries. And that... Maybe due to our general lack of wealth compared to older generations. Yeah, give us some of the money. <laughs> but the overall trend is towards the left and towards progressive ideas, acceptance of LGBTQ plus people, of immigrants, of people of color, of all these different diverse uh, peoples that make up our society. Hmm. And I hope desperately that all of this is just what I, I said it might be, which is a last gasp and that we may be through the worst of it. So, a Thermidorian reaction, if you will. <laughs> a Thermidorian reaction? Yeah, it's a French Revolution thing. Don't worry about it. Okay. No, because that just makes me think of Thermidor, which is a, a cookware company. But it's also um, a way of preparing lobster. It is. It is also <laughs> that. I think they make ovens, Thermidor? Probably, Maybe yeah. fridges? I don't remember what they make exactly. Uh, I just know that they are. Uh, but uh, that, that is what we have for today, Benedict. Um, I told you last time when you asked... That, yeah, maybe there's not a solid answer on why Republicans have shifted on their view towards college. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think I have dissuaded you from the fact that maybe there isn't a solid answer to that question. You haven't. But I think I've made a solid case for... You, you certainly have. The jury will remain out. The jury right. will deliberate. We will allow the listeners... <laughs> the 12 the voices jury. in my head will deliberate <laughs> as I... I, I will sleep on it. Anyways, thank you all for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. Remember, if you just can't get enough of us, you can go over to patreon.com forward slash NYGBC and become a patron for as little as $1 an episode. For patron-only episodes, shout-outs on the show, early releases of our episodes, and more. As always, I have to give a shout-out to our wonderful and amazing patrons. I love it when Jordan yells out, Thank you very much! Little Flick, William Patterson, Flack Weasel, Sadie's Sister Wednesday, Kieran Dackler, Solidarity to Morgan Stringer, Henry Lewis King Jr., Sarah Wolf, Aaron Burke, Megan A. Dooley, Gloria Scott, Isaac Horvat, Clifton Stuckey, Paws, A Baby, Wah, Veronica Forker, Polly Hauptman, Melissa C., J.D., George Saulnier, Janet Yutter, Stefan, Shark Belly, Utah Outcast, Brent Lee, David Garrido, Dave Barwick, Charles Trulier, Charles Palmer, 
Bad Bible Stitches, Ellie Bartlett, Mockingbird Nation, Bacara, Tarn Somerville Fletcher, Benjamin Carlisle, Dexter, Allison, C. David, Megan Ruth, Hot Waxabi, I'm Here for the Knowledge Fight, Glaurung the Deceiver, Danny, I'm so thrown off by the rhythm today. Why is my Severance rhythm all thrown off? their names. Why have people changed names and thrown off all my shit? Because <laughs> uh, we are Danielle. not the main reason that these people created Patreon accounts. They're all yeah, wonks, yeah, is yeah. why. And then they just happen to listen to our show. <laughs> Danielle, Big Easy Blasphemy, Ian Guistino, Jay Reynolds, The Postmodern Polymass Podcast, Stephen and Cindy Dimmick, Taro Tikanen, Anon Imaus, uh, Michael Ropp, Stephanie Hanks, Keith Davies, Balls Waterson, and, and, and Balls Waterson. Oh, God. I made it through the list, Benedict. You did it. I made Congrats. it through the list. And I just realized what the problem is, is that I didn't filter any of the patrons That's before. Fine. They get a nice little spooky New World Order <laughs> boost. <laughs> Thank you all, as always, for being our patrons. That's it for this week's show. Till next time, beware the CRT. Goodbye. Goodbye. Club Podcast is a production of Kevin and Benedict Productions. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Music for this podcast is by Silverman Sound Studios. Find out more at silvermansound.com.